0: chelsea, uh, may the dew pour down upon us from heaven. That's our intro today, signifying that grace that will come of Jesus Christ, and our antiphon today is the greeting of the angel Gabriel to Mary, hail full the grace, the Lord is with thee. And I thought in light of this, say, liturgical inspiration. Uh, I would talk about the Virgin Mary today and her virginity. Actually, when we talk about the Virgin Mary, the virginity of Mary, we speak of a threefold virginity. Mary is a virgin in conceiving Jesus. We know this because the angel told her that she would conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by relations with man, with her husband Joseph. She is a virgin in giving birth to Jesus, and the Church has always taught that in the process of giving birth, Mary's virginity remained intact, and the Great Fathers, the saints of antiquity liken it to Jesus passing through the sealed tomb he rose from the dead. So he passed through Mary without harming her virginity, leaving it intact. And the church bases this belief upon the great prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah in his prophecy to King Ahaz said the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. She's a virgin conceiving Jesus. She, She remains a virgin in bearing Jesus and giving birth to him. This is what the prophet Isaiah reveals to us. And in fact, those words are quoted in the first chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel. And Matthew tells us that that son, Emmanuel, that would be conceived and born of Mary, uh, is God with us. El, short for the Hebrew Elohim, word for God. Immanuel, meaning God, is with us. He's imminent when he comes in the flesh. But now we move to what we call Mary's perpetual virginity. Mary is ever virgin. It's something we profess in the Confuciary at the beginning of the Mass. and something that uh, the priest says in the Roman canon, professing Mary ever virgin. Hmm. And here we differ with our Protestant brothers and sisters at least today, not originally, but I'll explain that in a minute. Our Protestant brothers and sisters look to the words of Scripture, the references to Jesus' brothers and sisters, and say, well, Mary had other children. The Gospels never say that Mary had other children. And who are these brothers and sisters referred to? Well, in the Hebrew, the word for brother and sister was the same word for a close relative, a cousin, a nephew. We see this in the book of Genesis where Lot, we know is Abraham's nephew, he's referred to as his brother. This was in the Hebrew idiom. And in fact, we know uh, that Two of the individuals referred to as Jesus' brothers in the Gospels were not his brothers. These were James and Joseph. They were sons of another Mary. The Gospel tells us this. That other Mary was standing at the foot of the cross with the blessed virgin Mary. And in fact, the first Protestants were believers in Mary's perpetual virginity. I will quote two of them for you now. Here are the words of Martin Luther from the works of Martin Luther. You get them at Concordia College, Lutheran College in St. Louis. I quote, it is an article of faith that Mary is the mother of the Lord and still a virgin. Christ, we believe, came forth from a womb left perfectly intact. And here, Luther is not only talking about Mary's perpetual virginity, she's still a virgin, but her virginity while giving birth to Christ the Lord. And Zwingli, the founder of Calvinism, I quote him here I firmly believe that Mary, according to the words of the Gospel, as a pure virgin brought forth for us the Son of God, and in childbirth, and after childbirth forever remaining a pure intact virgin i recall when i was teaching for the first time in high school scripture um, i had an evangelical boy in the class freshman and i was always challenged by him because the catholics they would just believe what i said and this evangelical protestant he wanted to know Well, where is this found in the Bible? And I had to explain how Mary's virginity is found in Scripture, not explicitly, but implicitly, her perpetual virginity, that is. And uh, here we look to uh, the fact that Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. Remember the old Ark of the Covenant, that chest inlaid and outwardly laid in gold. It contained the two stone tablets on which God had written the commandments. They were carried around in this this chest, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, while the Israelites were in the desert. It was in a tent at that time, and then it was moved to the temple, and when Solomon built the temple. Now in the tent, and then in the temple, you had the outer court where people gathered, you had the inner court where sacrifices were offered, and then you had this inner inner court. It was called the Holy of Holies. The holiest place in the temple, because this is where the ark of the covenant rested, and only once a year, the high priest could enter into the holy of holies to offer sacrifice on the day of atonement. If anyone else entered into the holy of holies, entered into it, the Jews believed they would be struck dead because you were not worthy to enter into this holiest of holy places. And the argument I made to this. Student who questioned me on Mary's perpetual virginity, I tried to make an analogy. I said, okay, now we know that the Babylonians destroyed the temple in 586 BC and the Ark was lost. It's never been found. Some say the Ethiopians have it when it was lost. That's the basis for the movie The Raiders of the Lost Ark. You've ever seen that movie going back about 30 years ago. Well, when Herod rebuilt the temple starting in 20 BC, you still have the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. Even though the Ark wasn't there anymore, still no one could enter into the Holy of Holies except the high priest once a year. Why? Because the Ark had been there and that place was sanctified. Okay. Now if you take this mentality and apply it to the Virgin Mary, she is the new Ark of the Covenant. She just did not have some stone tablets within her. She had the Word made flesh within her. She carried Jesus in her womb for nine months. Her womb was sanctified even after she gave birth. Joseph would never have dreamed about having relations with the Blessed Virgin Mary, and Mary never would have dreamed about having relations with Joseph, because Mary, her intention of virginity is is revealed to us in the Gospel. That same Gospel of Luke, where the angel announces to her that she will be the mother of God, what does Mary, say when uh, the angel says that you will conceive and bear a son, Mary says, how can this be, since I do not know man? Those were her actual words, okay? I do not know man, know him intimately. And her words meant that she never intended to know Joseph intimately. We know this because otherwise her words make no sense. Imagine you're you're a woman engaged, to be married a couple of months off, and an angel comes to you and says, you're going to conceive and bear a son. Naturally, you would think, oh, well, when I'm with my my future husband, um, we'll come together and we'll have a son. Mary says, no, no, how can this be, how can this happen? I do not know man. She never intended to know Joseph, and Joseph married her under or with that understanding. And this is why the angel came to assure Joseph that he should take Mary as his wife because she conceived by the Holy Spirit. So we see that Mary, the new Ark of the Covenant, even after giving birth, uh, her womb is, you could say, off limits to anyone else but God because God had dwelt there for nine months. Why did Mary take a vow of our virginity? Well, our catechism teaches that, and I quote here from number 506 uh, Mary's virginal motherhood in God's plan, her virginity is the sign of her faith, unadulterated by any doubt, and of her undivided gift of herself to God's will. Okay. She's the model for all virgins. Like St. Paul speaks of virgins and in his, his letters all later virgins modeled themselves after the Virgin Mary, that undivided heart that she had, single-heartedness. She was totally dedicated to God. She only had eyes for Jesus Christ, her son. And Mary is the model for all of us. Whatever our state of life, celibate or single or married, she is a model for us to to imitate her in that single-heartedness, that total devotion to God. This is a beautiful thought as we enter into the last week of our Advent season. We prepare for the birth of Christ, the celebration of his birth next Sunday. Let us ask Mary to pray for us, that we may imitate her in that total devotion to God, undivided heart that she had, so that we may prepare our minds and hearts for the coming of our Lord, our King, and our God, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.